Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. This has been an insane week. I don't know if we'll ever see another week like this in our lifetime. I think it was Dave Portnoy called it the the once in a lifetime storm, right? The fifty year storm that you don't want to. He said you don't want to miss out on. But today, of course, I'm going to talk to you guys about GameStop and to some extent some of the other stocks that are experiencing short squeezes and therefore their prices are getting driven through the roof. I'm going to talk to you about all the controversy controversy surrounding these stocks, especially GameStop. It's been a really crazy ride and it's kind of the poster child of what's going on. I know lots of people have covered these topics, but I'd be remiss not to sign, sign in and give you guys my two cents. And uh, I wanted to cover it for sure. So I'm excited. Without further ado, let's jump in and talk about GameStop. So the journey in this story begins with a little Reddit community called Wall Street Bets. If you're not familiar with Reddit, it's a user-generated forum that I'm a huge fan of. I've been on it since college. So, geez, I hate to admit it, but more than a decade. (laughs) And I've uh, regularly commented. It's a really cool format. So basically, uh, the way it works is that you subscribe to different subreddits, and you could think of those as like topics. So there's one for like investing, but there's also, you know, one for just funny pictures or memes or internet videos or comedy. And then there's things, you know, there's specific subreddits for interest. Like people even happen about their favorite television shows. So when Game of Thrones was airing, you know, I would get on, you know, r dash Game of Thrones, so the subreddit Game of Thrones for Game of Thrones, and there'd be episode discussions and people posting interesting things about the stories and speculating and posts about the show that are relevant. And it's really, really cool. When I say that, you know, people are posting on there, there was literally like hundreds of thousands of people, millions in that subreddit for Game of Thrones, for example. So there's millions of people on some of these major subreddits talking about different things. And what's cool about it is that it's a user vote system. So the good posts, as well as the good comments within on the posts, like there's a comment section, almost like YouTube, but everything is upvoted or downvoted. So the users uh, get to actually real time vote on what is at the top, what's most visible, what's most controversial. And it's kind of an exciting site that way. It's good for gleaning information. And there's a lot of smart people on it. You know, there's some dumb people on it, obviously, and some kids and stuff posting dumb things. But at the same time, there's also little subreddits and communities that have a lot of good insights. So at the center of all of this controversy is a subreddit called Wall Street Bets. Now, this is something that should be familiar to my listeners because I've been mentioning Wall Street Bets on this podcast since we started it six months ago. I've personally been on Wall Street Bets as an active member for like three years. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily proud of that. Like I said on my earlier podcast, it's kind of the dumbest of the subreddits for investing. So I've recommended, you know, especially on my 101 podcast, actually just two weeks ago, I mentioned the different subreddits that you guys should be on for your research. And the most quality one's called r-investing, but it's also historically been the boring one, you know, that people on that subreddit just kind of go, oh, you got to not time the market and buy index funds and buy and hold and DCA in the long term. And pretty much if you try to talk about much else besides that, they kind of shoot you down. But occasionally, uh, you know, some good discussions will come in about an individual stock or trends. But overwhelmingly, that community's advice is don't time the market, you know, DCA, buy index funds, which is really good advice and what you should do with 90 to 95% of your portfolio. Hear lots of people educate you on there about 401ks, Roth IRAs, blah, blah, blah. And that's uh, subjects for a different a different podcast. And although it is good advice, you know, I'm blah, blah, blahing over it because it's boring and people don't necessarily want to talk about it 24-7. It's what you should do, but it's like, you know... 
What's a good example? It's like, you know, talking to your grandma about your personal finances. Like she's right. She's got a, a lifetime of experience and she's got her Disney stock. Was there a little risky bet or whatever, but it's just boring, you know, for today where information moves so fast. Some of us want to make better than market returns. And we like the process of picking stocks that we're fans of and want to research it. So that's where you move into another subreddit called r stocks subreddit for stocks. They were a little bit more, they weren't as smart as the people on investing overall. The community wasn't quite as intelligent, especially historically, but uh, they would actually talk about individual stocks. So I was on there too. There were some smart people here and there and some good DD, but at the same times, like, you know, it wasn't super high quality, but I would get on there and kind of use it for some jumping off points for research and things. And again, you know, you should be reading 10 Ks, watching YouTubes of the key leadership and, you know, reading all the different analysts about stocks that you're investing in, not just going to Reddit, obviously, but nonetheless, it was a good reprieve and it was a good supplement to all the other research you should be doing when you're investing as I covered in investing 101. But anyways, this community called R wall street bets was kind of like my reprieve during the day, right? That it was this hilarious little community where people would go and just do impossibly stupid things. You know, there'd be some person who's making, you know, $32,000 a year or something like that. And they've scraped together $15,000 in savings over the course of years of their life. And instead of doing a responsible thing and investing it because they're young, you know, be like 22 year old kid. like, instead of, you know, it, doing the responsible thing and investing it, they'll YOLO it. You know, you only live once and trade it on some crazy option spread that is either going to literally like quintuple their money or 20 X their money overnight, or it's going to go to zero. And listen, those types of option trades, 95% of them expire worthless or something like that. So it's like, you know, those, most of these people are losing fantastic amounts of money. But what was funny about this community was that it had all these meme cultures about it. So they had a funny, you know, funny ways and degenerate ways of talking to one another. It was almost kind of more akin to like 4chan than it was to Reddit. There was actually some really smart people in there. The, the jokes were incredibly witty and watching people YOLO these crazy bets was hysterical. And it kind of scratched that itch. You know, all of us kind of who learn about options and see penny stocks explode or risky trades pay off or fantasize about being involved in those could almost scratch that itch without participating in it. But then more and more people started at least allocating part of their portfolio to these risky plays and, and having some fun and posting it on there. So, you know, Wall Street Bets historically was kind of this dumb little community where guys would talk about earning money for their wives' boyfriends and, you know, make fun of one another and call each other mentally handicapped and stuff like that. Like it was just a ridiculous community, but it was a funny little reprieve from all the seriousness of, you know, research and looking into stocks. And like I said, these more serious communities that I was a part of. So I was always a part of it. I thought it was hilarious because if you grew up with internet culture and you don't mind some, some crudeness like I do, like in my spare time, then it was a fun little community to pay attention to. So these people would post, you know, screenshots of crazy option plays. And like I said, at first it was like 15 grand and one guy would turn it into 200 grand and everyone would ooh and ah, or, you know, some guy turned five grand into 50 grand and crazy gains like that on a percentage basis. But, you know, it's kind of like people just making crazy plays and you see someone else who made it, you know, made two grand, turned into 75 grand, then lost it all back literally down to zero. And they'd comment on that. It's just this crazy deal. And they would always come up with these kind of kooky theories, right? Like they'd be talking about some crazy penny stock that's going to go to the moon. And they were early adopters like Tesla, but instead of just betting on Tesla, they do Tesla call options. And these people would make tons of money on that. And I guess historically they were kind of smaller bets and then slowly the community started to grow. And so, you know, you would notice like in the comment section, there'd be a bunch of funny stuff. And like I said, some kind of smart witty back and forth, but not a lot of successful people, but occasionally you'd get the glimpse of someone who was like really wealthy on there. Someone giving really good advice about stocks, someone giving really good research about a seldom known biopharmaceutical or something like that. 
you know, some play that he's doing with straddling options. And you'd be like, well, that actually knows what he's talking about. And it seemed that Wall Street was kind of leaking into Wall Street bets, right? That you see all these, you know, first of all, Wall Street, whatever you think about their morals, they have unbelievably smart people there. And you need to respect that because this is some of the smartest, brightest people in the world go to Wall Street with the sole goal of making money. So, you know, if you're going to participate in stocks, you got to respect the people on Wall Street. And these people were really smart. And I felt like Wall Street was starting to leak into Wall Street bets a little bit that you'd see some really smart. It's probably a guy who makes a million dollars a year would get on there for entertainment just like I was and and post some nonsense in the comments or whatever, <laughs> you know, watch these YOLOs and talk about it back at the Goldman Sachs office, whatever. So the community started to have a little glimpse of like smart people participating, which was pretty cool and a funny aspect of it. Anyway, so I noticed the quality of the post started to improve. And then all of a sudden, instead of it being a guy who was YOLOing $2,000, this guy who was YOLOing 200 grand and he was playing options with 200 grand and someone else would show up who's got a million dollars in a risky stock and stuff. And you start to be like, well, there's some serious money here. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, I do recommend that if you're young, you know, if you're under 30, especially, or even under 35, you could argue that it's okay. And I can't give investment advice on this podcast. This whole thing's for entertainment purposes only, but it's okay to have like five to 10% of your portfolio in risky investments. So if you have a $20 million portfolio, you could do up to $2 million or something like that on these dumb investments. You might play with or quote unquote dumb investments, but risky and volatile investments like cryptocurrencies. And, um, I don't know what else, like, uh, options plays and, <laughs> right now, GameStop or AMC and stuff like that, right? Like you can have some fun and, and make some risky trades and you just should spread them out and keep it, like I said, under five to 10% of your portfolio, but that won't kill your portfolio in the long term. And especially if a couple of those hit, they might more than make up for all the risky plays that don't. That's a good moment to kind of pause and interject and point out that returns and outsized returns in the stock market, if you expect to beat the S&P 500, each incremental percentage point you beat the S&P 500 with brings with it additional risk. So investors are rewarded for taking uh, increased risk with increased returns or increased losses and in that volatility. And that's an important thing to remember, especially when you see these un, like unfathomable gains in like GameStop and things like this, is that people who are making those gains are taking unbelievable risk. And there's very smart people on the other side of these things. You know, I heard about the GameStop trade way back in March from Wall Street Bets and from one of our friends, Ben, was actually involved in it. And Ben made a killing. He, he rode GameStop through this craziness and made tons of money. He's a successful guy anyway, so he had some money to invest. But one of my very close friends, Chris, got in on this and he made a killing as well on GameStop and now AMC. And another one of my friend's brothers did the options on GameStop and made like an unbelievable return, like turned literally $2,000 into 200 grand in the course of a month. But those types of returns, like I'm proud of them and I don't disparage it, but like everyone needs to have their eyes open that they did take a lot of risk. I mean, I was aware of these things and chose not to participate. And you could say that I missed out, but you could also say that I understood the risk and chose not to participate, right? Because there are risky things you can do in the stock market every single day. There are options plays that you can make. There are penny stocks you can look at. There's, I mean, I like messing with pharmaceuticals and, and the biotech stuff or even tech companies. Those can have very volatile just if you buy the stock, you know? Those can be risky plays. And if you understand the risk, then it might scare you off of it. But if you go blindly into it without understanding the risk, it might be that you get some big returns and feel extra smart, but that's a really dangerous thing right there. So I want everyone listening to this to keep top of mind that outsized returns mean that you took outsized risk. And an important benchmark for that is the S&P 500, which returns 10% a year. 
Okay. So if you get 11 to 12% a year, that sounds like you're not beating it that much, but compound interest and all those episodes I did about that, you can listen to, you'll make exponentially more money by the time you're in retirement, millions more dollars. If you get an extra percentage point or two on your investment. So beating the S and P 500 by one to 2% a year is a huge deal. So making 5% in a month is unheard of because that's just crushing the S and P 500's 10% annual 5% a month, but making something like 200% a month, 300% a month, 1,000%, 2,000% a month. That is insane. And this is just crazy, unprecedented returns. And the people who accomplished that should be so proud of themselves, but they took unbelievable risks to get to that point. And that's worth keeping top of mind. And uh, I think lots of these people do understand that risk and did it anyways, especially when I see the mindset of Wall Street bets. Not all these people are stupid or undereducated or don't understand what they're doing. They understand they're taking lots of risk, but I think they also have a little bit of like that lottery mentality, you know, that they're going to hit it big and uh, that they don't want to miss out. So there's fear of missing out. There's lottery mentality mixed up in this. There's um, a little bit of hubris. And it's that classic quote that a little bit of information is a dangerous thing. You know, that if you understand things a decent amount and you can understand the terminology and things and convince yourself that you really are smart or understand everything there is to know about this, then that's the most dangerous thing out there, especially for yourself and in investing in these things. So don't keep top of mind through this whole thing that if you're getting outsized returns, you've taken outsized risk, whether you understand that or not. Anyways, returning to it. So talking about Wall Street bets, you know, I mentioned the community slowly started getting smarter and I saw GameStop on it earlier this year. And I still like Wall Street bets. The community is getting a little bit diluted now because it's gotten in the CNBC and all these old people are paying attention to it and participating. And it's kind of not the same that it was, you know, three, four years ago when it was like hilarious and just a little band of active, but idiot traders, right. <laughs> and people who were like watching and commenting and egging them on. So it's kind of shifted. It's not quite as much fun as it used to be, honestly, in this last month, just because it's gotten so much national attention. And that's a quick side note, you know, these, the quality subreddits tend to ebb and flow that as they get better, more people refer it to their friends, but then as it gets really big, they get kind of average and annoying. And then you have to go searching for the next cool thing. So wall street bets was the cool thing and like the unknown gem, but now it's probably gonna be ruined by all this exposure, but I digress. So wall street bets is at the center of this because they've kind of banded together. And for the first time, an internet forums really realized its power that if we all, if all these people on wall street bets got together and agreed on a trade and then had quote unquote diamond hands, hold the stock, hold all the stock and not sell no matter what crazy performance it has, then they can really change and move markets and move securities and move asset classes. And that's what they started to realize with GameStop. So what is GameStop? GameStop is a terrible fundamental investment. I mean, I'm not going to really uh, belabor this with the like what GameStop is and their fundamentals. I'm not going to belabor this with what a short squeeze is and all the players involved because all you got to do is read the Wall Street Journal to get ample evidence, all that. So I'm gonna keep all this really high level to keep this podcast moving. But GameStop is a retailer for games. And it was like a specialty, you know, mall retailer. And they focused on games. I would go there when I was a kid, you know, when a new hot game like Halo 3 dropped or whatever, you go stand in line at 1130 in the cold and wait your turn to go in there and buy the first copy because all these games are physical. And back in the day, we all relied on retailers rather than the internet to ship us stuff or even better to send content over the beam with like the case of like movies and now video games and things like that to be sent over the internet directly to our uh, gaming console. But back in the day, you needed the cartridges, you needed the CDs, you needed uh, to actually go pick up the count, the console and all the controllers and stuff in person. So it's just especially a retailer that was like a niche uh, retailer and they would sit in malls and they had thousands of stores or whatever, and really prominent. And we'd all go there for video games, new console releases. And, uh, they had a tidy little business. A lot of their margin came from, uh, 
uh, trade-ins. So if you had a used game back when you needed CDs, you could sell it back to them and you could buy used games there for cheaper than the retail of, you know, lots of kids who like video gaming don't have much money. So 60 bucks for a video game was a ton of money. So they would trade in an old game for 10 bucks and GameStop would turn around and sell them a used game for, th- you know, 30, 40 bucks. But as you just saw right there, they just made like, you know, 30 to $40 on that purchase. So they had, uh, they had a used game market going on there. That they made a lot of money on for a bit. So when retail was big, they were doing well, but then, you know, Amazon comes along and uh, I, I bought my Xbox online, this new Xbox that dropped. I didn't go to a GameStop retailer in person, especially with coronavirus, every retailer is getting crushed. And a big thing for them is that people don't need discs anymore. Like I mentioned, you know, my Xbox, every game that I get, because I don't care about selling it used later or whatever, I just pay the 60 bucks and it beams it over the internet and I buy the game at home and it lives on my Xbox. And if I run out of space on the Xbox, uh, then I just delete an old game I'm not playing and make room for the new one. So you don't need GameStop at all, really. But GameStop was just getting killed forever. All, all these major hedge funds and big money would short it, and they just got rewarded, rewarded, rewarded. If you look at a graph of how GameStop has done over the years, and you look back five years, so like March 18th, 2016, it traded at 60. Uh, here it is again, and then kind of like went sideways up and down, but then it peaked again September 14th, 2018, 65, but then just a steady downward flow where August 16th, 2019, so about a year later, it's down at 28, so cut in half. And then from there, it went way down during um, the start of coronavirus down to $13 and they got really, really depressed. All th- or Sorry, this is, I'm looking at, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong stock there. So I was looking at Nordstrom because I used that for comparison later, but look back at GameStop. Sorry, here we go. So, you know, back in 2016, is at 30 bucks and then it kind of just steadily went down to $20 later in 2016. Let's jump forward to 2018, $15. So it's just kind of going down, 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 July, fifth, 2019, $5 for GameStop. So that's just way depressed. And you can see that if you'd been shorting the stock all the way from 30, it, it got cut down to one sixth of its old price by t- between 2016 and 2019. So you would have made, you know, tons of returns if you were short the stock, i.e. you didn't like it and thought it was going to go down. So you borrowed shares and then with the promise that you'd pay them back later to the person you borrowed them from and make money on the difference, that's essentially shorting. So if you need more help with those fundamentals, go look up short selling stocks because it's kind of a complicated thing. But essentially you're betting that the stock price is going to go down. Now, the problem with shorting is that you have infinite risk that the stock go up. So you're betting the stock's going to go down but if the stock goes up, you continue to lose money into infinity because you have to cover that short. You have to pay the person you borrowed those shares from and cover the fact that you took a position short. And theoretically, the losses are infinite. Now, in practice, most of the time that doesn't happen because stocks tend not to go to infinity, right? You know, that they tend to, you know, an incredibly fast moving stock might double in a year or something like that. And you get really burnt in a short position. But, you know, normally that's rare and, um, you won't see that type of thing going on, but we'll get to this in a bit, but GameStop was in a really unique position where the shorts just got squeezed and it kind of went towards this infinity thing. But anyways, I want to kind of clean this up and get a little more pointed. Hedge funds made money for years and years shorting GameStop and they shorted it from 2016 all the way down to 2020. And it went from like $30 all the way down to $4 a share. So shorts were just rewarded for like four years of shorting the stock and the market was rallying during this time. So GameStop was a terrible company, really underperforming because their fundamentals sucked and blah, blah, blah. But then a new CEO came in from Chewy, I believe, uh, Chewy.com. And he talked about, you know, digitalizing and, and bringing GameStop online. And that's what everyone wanted to see in 2019 and 2020, that people wanted to see 
old retailers shift to e-commerce successfully and that you'd find deep value in these underperforming stocks and blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden the stock started to trend up. Well, there's this user on Wall Street Bets that noticed all this in early 2020 and started making these really detailed posts talking about how great a stock GameStop would be, that he saw a lot of quote unquote deep value. Well, his uh, username is uh, uh, deep effing value. (laughs) So the curse word value. So that's kind of consistent with the culture of Wall Street Bets I described to you guys. But he saw value in this and he put a $50,000 investment on options that and going like bullish on the stock. Well, what happened was, you know, he kept doing solid DD and people started picking up on his posts and other people on there started to believe and they started to pump up GameStop and it just rose, 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 rose. So like if you go to 2020, right, and look at GameStop, when he started talking about it, it was trading back around like $3 a share, $4 a share in early 2020. Well, by the end of the year, we all thought it exploded to unreasonable heights because it went all the way up to $20, right? So that's like an insane gain. And then all of a sudden, in January, it started, started popping up again. It went up to $35. So that's 10 times what that deep value guy invested at. And we're like, whoa, these gains are insane. And he started posting his gains and he had made like a million or $2 million at that point. And we're all like, oh my goodness. But then some smart people on this forum noticed something interesting. And I alluded to this a moment ago, but they noticed that hedge funds had taken a really stupid position on GameStop. And what they did was in their greed, they started to all pile in and short. Because like I mentioned, you know, all these hedge funds that went short were rewarded for years and years and years for taking that position. So these hedge funds got greedy and they, and they went short, but what they made the mistake was they opened the door to a short squeeze. And what that means is that when you're short a position and the stock starts to go up, your position becomes worth less money. But like I said, theoretically, the stock can go up to infinity. So your losses could be infinity. So what happens is the, the, the price goes up and the short positions become less and less valuable. And even though these people believe that ultimately the company is going to go bankrupt or be worth way less than it was the day they took that short position, their short positions are getting crushed and they're going way, way down. And then their broker looks at their whole account and goes, whoa, this short position is getting away from you. You don't have enough money in your other investments to cover your losses if this keeps happening. And they do what's called a margin call. And, and, they, and they go and they close your position on your short for a loss for you. Even though you might ultimately be right, you can't stay liquid as long as the market stays irrational is the classic quote, and you lose your money. So you open yourself up to a short squeeze in particular if a big portion of the total shares outstanding are short. And that's called a short float or short interest percentage. And like a short squeeze starts to become possible around 30%, suffice it to say for this podcast. So like a heavily short stock might be 50 or 60% of the total shares outstanding are shorted. And that's ripe for a short squeeze. Well, what, what these clever people on Wall Street Bets notice is that these idiot hedge funds had shorted more shares than there were outstanding, which is like borderline unprecedented, especially on a stock this big. And they look at this, they go, whoa, these idiots are like 140% short. Whereas I mentioned, like, again, a short squeeze could happen at 30. So there started to be chatter about the mother of all short squeezes. And a bunch of people heard their keyboards and started researching what being short is, even let alone a short squeeze, because they'd never heard of it before. And they started to learn, they get excited, and some smart people on the forum poured in and started pumping up the idea that this is going to be the mother of all short squeezes, which in turn turned it into the mother of all short squeezes, because all these people started to believe, whoa, if there's a big short squeeze, this stock could go through the roof. It could go from, you know, it started out the year at $3 a share. It could go all the way up to, I don't know, $100 a share. Then some people started going, no, it could be 150. It could be 170. It could be $200 a share. Well, sure enough, that belief got a bunch of people investing in it. 
And sure enough, the hedge funds had to cover their shorts, i.e. go buy shares at today's price. And when they started to cover their shorts because their masses could get lost or their losses could get massive if other hedge funds moved before them, then they had to go in and cover their shorts at a huge loss before it got even bigger. Then it kind of became a self-fulfilling picture, like a snowball rolling down the hill, just gained size and mass and speed. And all of a sudden these, uh, the stock price just exploded through the roof all the way up to it closed at $347 on January 27th. So stop and think about that. I said, this stock was a terrible investment at $3 a share. Now all of a sudden it's at $347 and sorry, I should back up. It's a terrible investment on the fundamentals of the stock that GameStop should not be worth much more than $3 a share. Now it's at $347 a share. You know, that's like what a hundred and gosh, I don't, I don't even know. That's like over a hundred X, right? And so, you know, this stock has just exploded for people who invested on it early, but it's not exploding because GameStop's fortunes went up that much, you know, that GameStop is really worth as much as it's worth today. And it exploded because people believed that they could sell their shares to other people for more than they bought it for. And that's what worries me about this whole thing is that people are not investing on fundamentals anymore. When that deep value guy did it at first, he was because he thought the stock was, you know, at three dollars, it could be worth six dollars in his opinion or nine dollars even. But I think even he doesn't think it's worth three forty seven. Now his trades have turned into uh, not a fundamental play, not a bet on the long term prospects of the company, but rather on an emotional play that he's playing against the psychology of other investors. And it's this quote unquote castles in the sky that if I build this dream for other people, they'll pay more later and I'll make a profit because of that. And that's a dangerous thing. That's where people start to accuse this of being more akin to gambling than investing because investing you're buying physical companies, you know, whereas when the market valuation gets too far away from the current stock you know, from the current prospects of the company, the stock price gets higher than the company's actually worth. You get further and further away from a fundamental investing thesis and more and more towards gambling because that stock price could, could go up like GameStop is like crazy, but it could also fall way down to earth really fast. So that's the drama that's unfolding, kind of setting the stage for you guys. Like I said, GameStop at today's prices is not a good fundamental investment. And I'm going to use just one statistic to illustrate this to you guys. I'm going to use market capitalization. That's the total value of the firm, right? So the price times all the shares outstanding gives you market capitalization. And market capitalization signals how valuable a company is, right? That's how much your company is worth. Today, GameStop is worth $22.67 billion dollars. $22.67 billion for a failing retailer, right? That has some promise for e-commerce and some other digital plays, but nothing of this magnitude. So there's no discounted cash flow or value in this company that should bring it to 22, over $22 billion reasonably, right? This company's worth way less than $1 billion, I feel very safe in saying today. It, at least that's how I look at the value of the company. And there's huge value in it, like I said, because of strange market dynamics and hedge funds being really stupid and going more than 100% short the stock. But that nonetheless doesn't change the fundamentals of the business. And the business isn't that great. So I dug into it a little bit just to give you guys some more stats here. Uh, revenue of $1 billion for Q3 for GameStop. But again, they're a retailer, so that you know, they don't get all that in margin. Their net income, they lost $18.8 million on $1 billion in Q3 of 2021. So their net profit margin was negative 1.87. Their operating income was negative 84.2 million. So their net change in cash, they lost $156 million in cash in Q3. So, I mean, this is not a great stock on the fundamentals. You would not look at this and be like, boy, this is you know, the next Amazon or whatever. These, this is a struggling retailer trying to make a shift to digital, but even if they do, you know, it's going to, it would take, if they were the most successful shift to digital ever somehow, which they won't be, 
then <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't, you know, I don't think that they will be, I will say then, um, then they would not be worth this 22 billion still to give you guys, uh, a comparison. I was reading you guys the wrong stock prices earlier because I pulled up Nordstrom. So I want to show you a retailer. I mean, everyone's familiar with Nordstrom. That's a good retailer that's around to stay and does a pretty decent job. And in a tough environment, they're still surviving. And that's like more of a real business than GameStop, in my opinion. They're worth 5.6 billion, right? So think of how much bigger Nordstrom is, how much more promising their future appears to be today, anyways. And you're telling me that GameStop is worth what is it? So less than, so Nordstrom is less than 6 billion. GameStop's worth 22 billion. So what is that? It's like almost four times as much as Nordstrom, little old failing GameStop. Give me a break. You know, this is just ridiculous. Now, having said that people said the same thing about Tesla or whatever and missed out all the way up, but I just don't think this is a similar story. I don't think they have a disruptive technology at GameStop. I don't think they have a competitive advantage. I don't, I don't really trust their shift to digital. And if it does pan out, I don't think it'll pan out to the extent this market cap suggests. So I think this is just mania. It's very safe to say in this case. So what I want to caution my listeners is to be careful about getting caught up in the mania. And like I said earlier, I can't give investment advice on this podcast for entertainment purposes only, but don't get more than five to 10% of your portfolio caught up in this GameStop thing. Because if you're putting money that could change your life on the upside, it can also change your life on the downside. And this has a lot of downside. If you're not a sophisticated investor, and believe me, even though these hedge funds have lost a lot of money on this bet, there's a lot of other smart hedge funds circling and a lot of people who are you know smarter than you guys are and smarter than I am for sure with teams of people with Harvard MBAs and stuff researching this thing and how to scalp it and make money. They're going to make money ultimately. Now, I don't doubt there will be some success stories among retail investors, but this is not a bad time to take your chips off the table if you've done well with this. At least some of your chips off the table. You know, come on. Like if you've got you know, 10x your money because of some trade you made in GameStop so far, take out 3x of it, you know, and change your life a little bit with that. Um, so don't get greedy here is the point. You know, th this this shift away from fundamentals into this castle in the sky reason that the stock is exploding is not going to last forever. And you're basically, I want you guys to view that you're playing musical chairs if you're still in the stock right now. And you're betting that you're going to get a chair before the music stops. But there's some other really smart athletic people in that room with you circling around trying to get that same chair. So be really cautious about getting caught up in the hype. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about the short squeeze because when this bet started to go against hedge funds, a very important thing happened. They started to lose literally billions of dollars. And it was this Melvin capital was one of them. And they have these smug short sellers, um, that were thinking they were masters of the universe and just getting killed by wall street bets. So it's this kind of shaping up now to be this story of, you know, the little guy versus the billionaire hedge fund, you know, that we're finally going to take them down as a community and blah, blah, blah. And the bets, you know, the, the trades are going against the hedge funds, like I mentioned, and some bigger hedge funds stepped in to try to bail them out, notably Citadel and Citadel would step in and give billions, like, I think it was like $2.4 billion to one of these hedge funds that was losing money on the short so that they could stay liquid and, uh, get to where they could cover their shorts and things like this. Um, one of those hedge funds is down over 50% in January. I saw a report in the wall street journal this morning. So these hedge funds are really losing their shirts over this bet. But they're also very powerful. And that's kind of what people are seeing firsthand. And I got to say in this whole thing, even though I'm just giving you guys a, a strong note of caution and telling you guys to be cautious about this, I'm still kind of in the Wall Street bet side when it comes to the fun side of this trade. So, you know, if you want to get involved in this and you feel like you can do a good job trading this or quote unquote gambling on this, if you will, um, you know, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying do that with a responsible portion of your portfolio, you know, less than five, less than 10% of it, something like that if you're young. 
um, and spread it out with some other risky bets. If you like this and AMC or something like that, or Blackberry, then look at those different things and spread around your bets. So maybe one of them hits and the other ones you might end up not getting the chair when the music stops, so to speak, and losing out on, but keep in mind, you could lose all that money. So don't do it with money that is irresponsible. But like I said, limit the size of your bet on this. I'm not like an, un, like an unequivocal bull, like you're seeing in some of these forms where again, as a side note, be cautious because some of those people are pumping up their own positions and they're going to bail on this and they're going to make money before you are. So be careful about listening to anonymous strangers on the internet. You know, even though they're speaking about community and all these warm, fuzzy things about us against the hedge funds, don't get sucked into that community and think that they're your friends. Everyone's on that forum trying to make money. And some of those people are lying to you and have their own personal motivations for pumping up these positions so they can dump them before you can. But anyways, uh, it, uh, on the whole spectrum of things, I'm kind of on the Wall Street bet side that I kind of like seeing this greedy hedge fund get squeezed for doing something dumb. You know, they should be sophisticated enough to understand that they should not go short a stock that has that big of a short interest that they could be ripe for a short squeeze. And hedge funds, by definition, the reason they're called hedge funds, they're supposed to hedge their risk. And these idiots didn't hedge their risk appropriately. So they lost their shirts. And I don't feel bad about that because, you know, no one... No one uh, goes and scolds them and they tend to kind of brag about it when they make out size returns. So now it's kind of like a come up and see them lose money, I guess, is the idea. But I'm on Wall Street bet side on that because it's kind of fun to see the little guy make some money and X, Y, Z. But what really put me on their side and is making me vocal about this is what happened when the short squeeze started to rally. So like I mentioned, Melvin Capital lost a bunch and got like $2.4 billion from Citadel, I believe. Uh, at least one of them that was losing a lot got that much money from Citadel. But there's a nefarious thing going on where then the trading got really weird on like Thursday and Friday last week. And Robinhood, which is where most of these Wall Street bets people use as their broker, and actually just a couple of weeks ago, I recommended it along with Fidelity to be a, a broker you might use if you start investing. Now I'm redacting that. I think no one should use Robinhood. I, in fact, had Robinhood for cryptocurrencies and I deleted it over this move because I believe it was Thursday of last week. They got on there and they restricted buying of GameStop shares but you could sell your GameStop shares. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, tons of these, you know, uh, Robinhood users are in this GameStop thing. They're pushing the short squeeze and there's nothing illegal about them all getting together and doing a short squeeze. It was dumb with the hedge funds to put themselves in that position. And this is what really pissed me off about the hedge funds. I'm about to explain because basically what happened is that Robinhood stepped in and said, you can't buy shares of GameStop, but you can sell them. Well, that stops all the upward pressure that you need for that short squeeze to work, as I described. So that's kind of like a, a nefarious and underhanded way of slowing down or even stopping and reversing the short squeeze. And I think it's nonsense. It's Robinhood's duty to let you buy shares fairly at any price you choose on brokerages, in my opinion, or at least it should be. And instead, like I said, they did this incredible move that would put downward pressure on GameStop's price. Well, why would they do that? Because Robinhood set out and promised all of us that they're uh, taking from the rich and giving to the poor. They're democratizing investing. They like to pat themselves on the back and say, and I used to believe in their mission. I used to defend them even when people would criticize them for hooking people in and young people in with confetti on the screens and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, but this is good. They're getting involved and Robinhood seems to be a good actor protecting them. And now I just pie on my face because screw these guys essentially is what I'm going to, I'm here to tell you. I deleted my account. I had like 25 grand in cryptocurrency with them. I wiped out that account. I'm going to put it somewhere else because screw them after what they did on this day. So they stopped the buying of GameStop, but allowed people to sell essentially challenging the quality of the short squeeze and this thesis that people were enacting. And although it's a risky thesis, it's still a legal one. And they had no right to step on it and to weigh on the scale. It's unfair. And the reason that I believe they did it is if you peel back the onion, Robinhood gave everyone free 
zero commission trades and everyone goes, oh, that's great. I don't have to pay five bucks, 10 bucks to buy a stock and democratizes investing because even little people who have a hundred bucks can start investing. And, and you know, that $5 transaction fee used to be negative 5% on a hundred bucks and stop them from investing in Apple and, and starting to learn about the stock market and getting rich over time. And I was all for that whole mission. I was promoting it. But then these guys go and do this move. And what you realize is that because they didn't get commissions, the way they make all their money is they sell the order flow on the back end. This is something I've been aware of and it's kind of complicated, but suffice it to say that hedge funds pay for the information of the order flow, what the customers on Robinhood are buying and at what prices, X, Y, Z. And this Citadel hedge fund is 40% of Robinhood's income. So screw them because what they did was they stopped the GameStop trade at the expense of all these Wall Street bets people to protect Citadel because Citadel put 2.4 billion into one of these hedge funds and was losing their shirt. So screw Robinhood. I mean, that is unbelievable. Everyone should be outraged at them. If you have a Robinhood account, I encourage you to delete it because this is ridiculous. And I am so outspoken against market manipulation. We need and deserve a free market and shame on Robinhood for being sleazy and out of one side of their mouth saying they're democratizing and investing and out of the other side, protecting their big money friends and hedge funds against an infinite squeeze and short and shame on Citadel for doing this. They're Ken Griffin, Ken Griffith, whatever his name is, you know, $18 billion dollars you know, uh, founder or whatever, he's worth 18 billion, whatever. And so he's, he's riding off in the sunset and protecting his short position here with nefarious backroom dealings, in my opinion. And listen, they're, they're going to obscure this and they're going to say it's because of market liquidity and protecting the integrity of the market. And look, the indexes went down on Friday. So we're protecting a stock market crash from GameStop. Little old GameStop and Wall Street bets is not going to crash the stock market. That's a red herring. And these people are dealing in ways they're playing four dimensional chess when we're playing checkers. So be careful about all this PR and stuff. They're better than at it than we are all you just need to hold fast not listen to the noise and believe that what happened was robin hood protected their biggest customer in their short position against gamestop and they obscured it by maybe doing 50 stocks or whatever but it is nefarious maybe illegal and i think they should be punished for it and the minimum way they should be punished for it in my opinion is that we should all delete our robin hood accounts and I mean, I would, I would not, I would not shed a tear if I saw Robinhood go away. And this is a shame because like I said, I had a $25,000 account with them for cryptocurrency trading that I just opened on like December 28th. So I lasted less than a month with Robinhood because I just find them nefarious, man. I, I do not trust them after that move. And, you know, there's been little stories online before of, you know, them not being good with customer service, not helping people who had fraud committed against their accounts and, uh, having glitches that mess up at key times and stuff like that. But I cut them some slack on those things because they seemed well-intentioned. Well, now they're malintentioned because they're nefariously making 40, you know, 40 percent of the revenue from Citadel. Again, selling your order flow. So selling your information on your trades. That's how they got you zero trade commissions. And remember, if you're not paying, then then you are the product. If you're not paying money for a service, then you are the product. So you already were the product. And instead of that being bad enough, they protected them when Citadel needed them to against this huge short. So screw them. It's terrible. And I think they deserve to be gone over this. Honestly, I think that the, their whole reason to exist, you know, their reason to etra or whatever that saying is, is to, is to make sure that you can get on there and fairly buy any security or asset class that they represent, they'll sell at a fair price. And instead they manipulated the market with downward selling pressure in that moment. Now they got so much public outcry that they reversed course and came up with all these excuses about liquidity ratios from these uh, 
filling houses and they deserve some blame in this too. The, the, uh, trading houses or whatever that fill the orders, they deserve some blame in this too. Cause they changed Robin hoods, uh, capital requirements, uh, during all this. And it went from like 3% to a hundred percent. So I kind of feel bad for Robin hood on that front, but still, I mean, they should have figured something else out or they shouldn't have been vulnerable to those clearing houses like that or whatever. They should have had better contracts in place. It was irresponsible of them at best. And it was ne like negligent and evil of them at the worst. And I I'm not impressed with them. So that's a big part of this story too, is that Robinhood's corrupt. You should close your account if you have one with them, in my opinion. Can't give you advice, but you know, this is for entertainment purposes only, but that's what I did. And uh, I'm not impressed by them at all. Um, now, having said that, on the other side, this Wall Street Bets community, I want you guys to be a little bit careful about it because there's this element of community on it I've never seen before. And we're all kind of aware on Reddit that there can be quote unquote astroturfing. And that's where corporations normally, but like any special interest group comes in there and pretends like they're users and part of the community to really advance their own interests. In that case, I think that's really happening with this, you know, pumping up these trades. And you need to be really cautious because you could definitely get burned on this. And I want you guys to be careful because I'm seeing all these posts and comments on there about it's us versus the hedge funds. We're finally going to take them down. The little man's going to get rich instead of these people and us against them, blah, blah, blah. And I want to kind of underscore to you guys, you guys are, you know, you're not part of some thing that's going to abolish hedge funds. Like a couple of hedge funds are getting burned on these trades. Yes. And apparently Robin Hood's nefariously bailing them out. But nonetheless, you know, a couple of people are getting burned on this thing. Yeah. But it's, it's not like, it's not like you're uh, going to take down these hedge funds or you're part of some community that's banded together on that. These people are sitting on the other side of these trades, hoping that you hold the stock and they can sell out and get rich themselves. So everyone kind of knows that this GameStop thing is going to fall back down to earth eventually. And GameStop might even go bankrupt in one scenario, right? But at least it's going to fall back down. I can say very safely to 20 bucks this year at some point. So they know that the stock's going to collapse down to 20 or lower. Most people agree on that fact that there's like a 98% chance of it happening or whatever. So well, they're all on there hoping that they're going to sell at the high and you're going to be left holding it or someone's going to be left holding it, right? So don't get lulled into a false sense of community where you think that you're part of something bigger, where you think you're part of something just and glorious. And this is about ethics and taking down Wall Street or something like that, which I don't, I don't agree with taking down Wall Street anyways. We kind of need them for liquidity and lots of different things too. And I don't necessarily agree with taking down hedge funds blindly, but I think these hedge funds deserve to lose the same way any of us deserve to lose when we make a bad bet in the stock market. Uh, and if they're not losing fairly, if they're manipulating things behind the scenes, like it appears that they are with Citadel and Robin Hood, then they should be taken down a peg in a big way. But having said all that, I, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, the sense of community is totally um, being fueled by people with good intentions. And I want you guys to go into that with your eyes open that don't buy this stock because you think you're a part of something bigger, buy it because you realize that you're doing something incredibly risky with a small portion of your portfolio and that you might lose it all. And that your hopes are that you're going to gain a bunch of money. Go, go into it with that point of view. Don't do this because of some ethics thing, because trust me, the other people who claim they're doing that, a vast majority of them or a good portion of them that are promoting that are not actually. They're hoping that they're going to sell the stock high and that someone else, they're trying to put it out of their mind, but they're hoping at best, they're trying to put it out of their mind, but they're, they're hoping that someone else is going to end up holding that bag instead of them and that they're going to get rich. Don't go in the stock market with some feelings of goodness or something like that. Like you're going to do good in the world through the stock market. No, you know, in the stock market, you're, you're out to make money for yourself and you need to keep that top of mind. And none of these people, hedge funds, wall street, 
anonymous internet commenters or otherwise are here to help you. You know, that's, it's a lonely venture that way to make money and you got to claw it out from the markets from other people. And, uh, uh, I mean, this is not necessarily like zero sum game. I'm not trying to make it sound like that, but I'm just saying these people are not your friends. You know, these not anonymous people on this forum, you know, now wall street bets had a huge inflow of new users. It's not even the original users that are controlling the narrative or, or promoting it. And there's all these people with these competing interests. I'm sure there are hedge funds on there, astroturfing, trying to promote their positions at this point. So be really cautious about what you read and in all your trades, but especially this one, don't do it because of a sense of community. Do it because you want to make money for you. And that's my little bit of advice for you. Let's see if there's anything else I want to cover here. I want to apologize again. I was accidentally reading you guys uh, the Nordstrom uh, stock prices for a moment. So you can kind of go back and ignore that part of the podcast. It should be that I was reading you the GameStop parts. As you all know, I do all these podcasts as a straight shot. So like right now I'm at 44 minutes and 17 seconds, <laughs> but I've just been talking straight into the microphone, you know, and, uh, I don't edit these. It's a straight shot stream of consciousness. There's some stuff in there that, you know, I think over time I might not, uh, be totally proud of every single thing that I say, but it's my opinion that day and how I feel about things that day. And, you know, they might change over time, but I also make some mistakes here and there. So that was one mistake I want to point out for you guys is I was accidentally reading the Nordstrom ticker. I pulled it up to compare the market caps and, uh, I corrected it and read the GameStop one after a moment for you guys. So sorry about that mistake. But anyways, whew, this is a doozy. Uh, I know that's kind of complicated. There's lots to unpack there. You guys have really been engaging. I have lots of you guys reaching out and getting into conversations with me about these different things and asking good technical questions. I know this one's a doozy. So I'd encourage, you know, don't just come and ask what a short squeeze is. Go, you know, go to Investopedia, like I've told you to before and look up short squeeze and see if you can understand it. Then after that, if you can't come ask me a question, but, you know, research some of the stuff on your own and any questions you have, reach out to me. Or if you just want to discuss some aspect of this, reach out to me. You can reach me at the Blackwood Show at Gmail com or the Blackwood show on Instagram. But woo, what a doozy. It's been a crazy ride. It was a fun one to unpack for you guys. And I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm sure I'll do an update about the end of the saga of GameStop. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about today. Oh, one thing I should mention about this for you guys is on the ride up, I did buy a put actually. So I'm actually in kind of in that not short camp, but I'm in a, a I own a put on it. You know, it's, that basically says that I think the share is going to go below $32 within a year. So I bought a put for a year out. So I guess I'm kind of a, a trader of Wall Street bets in that regard, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, basically, I, I just think that this aberration is going to correct itself before the end of the year and the stock price will go below 32 bucks. And that's basically what that option says will happen. So I do have some skin in this game, actually in the opposite direction, just because I don't believe this bubble will last forever anyways. Although I do think it could really run up higher in the short term. That's definitely an increasingly likely outcome. But anyways, want to let you guys know about my position. So you always know about my biases and, and where I stand on these things. But as you can tell, I mostly, you know, it's a very, very, very small position for me. It was just for fun to pay attention to this whole thing. And I thought the mania was getting crazy. I think I put in that put around like $80 when the stock price was around $80. So, I mean, it obviously has exploded. So that was terrible timing and underscores why I shouldn't be playing with options, but nonetheless wanted to let you guys know about that one position in this whole thing too. So thanks so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways to entertain yourself, not the least of which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me. Talk at you soon.